Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. So glad that you've joined us here tonight on the show. It's a show where conversations save lives, and you guys are a big part of the conversation with us. I'm Jeff. It's good to be with you another week. My co-host, Dad's Dad, Dave Wager. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It is good to be with you, and it's good to be here on Father's Day to, to encourage fathers and to encourage kids to love their dads in a special way. It should be a good show. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you, by the way. Right, thank you. And you too, Jeff. Good year. I think every year is a little bit different as far as being a dad goes and the experiences with kids. Uh, I know you've launched your daughters into the world, and I don't know if the, the years seem a little bit different to you, but... They are. Uh, you know what happens as a father? Everything You think things will get easier in life, actually, when they become more complicated. And yet, as they become more complicated, they become different and better in a different way. And I, and I can explain that. I mean, when my kids were like five, six, seven years old, I used to tell them, please quit growing, man. I love you at this age. We're, we're having a ball. I think it's because that's where my mentality was at times. You know, I'm down there on the floor playing with them or whatever and just enjoyed being with them and enjoyed who they were. There is something so wonderful about a child who's innocent that laughs at silly things, you know, that you look at them and go, oh, this is so much fun. You know, I would love for you to stay this way uh, for a lot of your life. And um, I used to tell my daughters this. I said, you know what? I want you to quit growing. I want you to stay this. And they would just roll their eyes at me and walk away, you know, because they learn behavior, I'm sure. But bottom line is they can't do that. And as they got older, there were other challenges. I mean, you get into high school and you get into college and, and then they started careers and that kind of thing. And you know what? I've loved every stage of their life. And I've had to play a different role in every stage. But I, I do love every stage of their life. I mean, how old are your kids? Uh, three and one. Yeah. See, that that's a pretty special age. That's, that's like the height of all innocence right there. Yes, it is. They, uh, they just enjoy being who they are. They say normally what they mean when they can talk. It's just fun to watch them. And you know that they can even say really uh, silly things or you might be considered mean by somebody else and they don't mean it. I had a girl walk up, uh, a third grader the other day, and I was with another guy, and she looked at the other guy and says, you know, Dave, I like this guy better than you. Oh. And, I, and, and I just smiled like, yeah, he's a good guy. I like him, too. You know, and you just go on. You know, if their parents were standing there, right. their parents would be dying, you know, on a, on a comment like that and tell yeah. them later not to say that. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is the girl's probably thinking this other guy's uh, probably 20 years old and he is a lot of fun. You know, I'm not quite what I used to be when I was 20, where I'm down on the ground doing stupid things. And, you know, this guy could do that. So. I, I wouldn't blame the girl for saying I like him. You know, I like the, him better than you right now. No problem, my dear. No problem. <laughs> hey, but you got to love the honesty that is there in a child. And sometimes I think you just got to let it be. You, you don't correct things all the time that, that are age appropriate. And, uh, and there are some things that are. But things do change. And my daughters now are in their 30s. So they're no longer three. They're in their 30s. 
and I love the stage they're in now. So I don't know how you get to where you don't like what phase they're in because you have to keep adjusting. And it the reason it gets more complicated isn't, you know, when they're young, you can say, we're doing this. We're going to eat at McDonald's or something. And everybody gets in the car and you do that. Mm-hmm. Well, now that they're in their 30s, it's like, we're going to McDonald's. No, we're not. We're going here. We're going to go, 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 go. Okay. And, and then they live in different parts of the state. So they're not all in the same spot. So you have to organize getting together. So it's not terribly difficult. I'm just saying it gets a little bit more uh, detailed as they get older. Sure. Uh, but my role has changed, you know, from the time they were very young to where they are now. You kind of change from the teacher protector model to the encourager model. Yeah. Uh, to the cheerleader kind of model kind of guy. And, hmm. and and that will happen. And you right now are in the other phase of life because your children are still young. And and uh, I, I envy you in a way. And at the same point, I think, um, you know, enjoy every day. Enjoy every day being a dad. Enjoy every um, silly moment with the kids because you blink and, and it passes you by. Yeah. And as it passes you by, you don't have to be sad. Be excited about the fact that you're even there for it. So Yeah. And that's that's very true. I've heard that over and over, and I do try to enjoy it. Not every moment is enjoyable, and not everything you see on social media is always the case. A lot of times, parenthood is stressful. We're going to talk about being a dad. Before we get too far into our conversation, I do want to wish a happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. Whether you're a married dad, a divorced dad, a single dad, maybe you're a second-time-around dad, a stepdad, a surrogate dad, maybe an adoptive dad, or a deserted dad out there. And for those who are dad's dads, uh, you guys that are role models to other fathers that are maybe younger, kind of like you are, Dave, you're a dad's dad to me. And uh, all those grandfathers and everybody else, happy Father's Day to you guys tonight. We're going to have an honest conversation, not just for dads, but specifically we're going to target a little bit more to dads tonight as we talk in our conversation. And you can be a part of the conversation. Join us on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And uh, we'd love to hear from you tonight, share a story, share a happy, funny thought or memory or something about fatherhood or having a dad in your life, what your dad was like in life. And uh, we also understand that it may not be that simple. You may not have had a dad in life, and that's a reality for some. At any time tonight, you can always chat with the live coach at HopeNet360.com. But Dave, I, you know, we live in such a culture where we want everything now, and it seems like we really don't care how. And yeah. I think there are a lot of dads out there tonight as we're talking in this conversation. We want to talk about this topic. We've been in this virtuous series. We want to talk about some virtues of life. And tonight I wanted to talk to you about diligence. Hmm. And uh, what, it, what does that word mean? When you hear the word diligence, what does that mean? To me, it means stick to what you know is right no matter how you feel. You just keep doing what's right no matter what you feel at the moment. You have to have a right perspective to understand how to do this. For example, we need to look at how God created things. For right now, it's really interesting. God created women and God created men, and he created us differently. He didn't create one better than the other. He created us differently. I am never going to you know, give childbirth. I'm not going to do that. I don't, the thought of it is, is scary to me, and, and it should be, because I, you know, I don't have the mind frame for that. I don't have the body for that. I don't have the emotional makeup for that. God made my wife to have that makeup, that, that, that certain uh, ability to be able to do that. And when you look at how God made things, he made men differently. He made women differently. He put them together, and he put them in an organized fashion called a family. And, and as a married man, I get to be somebody who loves my wife 
like Christ loved the church. And through that loving my wife, like Christ loved the church, children come into the family. Uh, not always, and maybe some can't have children, but they could be adopted children. They could be, but, but children come into the family. And then there are roles for the dad and for the mom and for the children within that family. And I'm telling you, as you do, as you live the way God created you to live, it's very interesting and very rewarding. Notice I didn't say it was, it was easy. And that's where the diligence comes in. Because what you want to be able to do is realize that you want to be able to be diligent to do what is right over and over again. And, and what's right over and over again gets tiring. Um, think about it, though, in, in terms of this. Uh, the Bible says that those people who are Christians are part of a body of Christ. When you think of a body, um, my hand, for example, my fingers right now as I'm talking on the radio, my hands are actually moving. Uh, I'm not Italian or anything, but they are moving. The Swedish guys <laughs> do that too once in a while. But uh, they're moving. And that my hands are actually going with my words. And, and if you could figure that out, I mean, that's just weird. If somebody's talking to you and their hands are moving and they're kind of going with the words, that to you that's a natural motion. And, and the reason they're going with the words is because for some reason my brain is sending these signals to my fingers to do this, do that. You know, I'm not even thinking about it. Well, my job as a dad is to really love God and to be in tune with the brain. And then God gets me to move in the way that I should, how I should, in the right way that helps my whole family become what they should be. And that is my ultimate responsibility is to love God and to love my family. And the way I do that is by listening to God and making myself available to him. And we'll talk more about that throughout the show. Yep, we're going to continue this conversation on diligence. Diligence, the word itself, means careful and persistent work or effort. Join us on the Tweetback right now. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. The conversation will continue here on Hobnet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app. Visit hopenet360.com slash podcast and leave us a review on whatever podcasting app you use. Let your friends know that you listen to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, your host tonight, our topic of conversation tonight is this virtuous word, diligence. And the definition of diligence, if you just missed it, it's the careful and persistent work or effort that you put in. So whether you're a dad, you're a stepdad, you're not even a dad yet, you might not, not even be a guy, you might be a girl listening, you're like, what do I have to do with diligence? No, diligence is a character mark, and we're focusing on this in the next few weeks, some different types of character marks that we would love to see that we hope that you guys would instill in your own lives and that you would start to work at and tweak at. And we think diligence, Dave, diligence, I think this is a really important thing that sometimes when you look in the generation's even in the past generations, there are probably people that thought, well, this guy doesn't work very hard. That person doesn't work very hard. Why do I have to work hard these days? And we can kind of look in our own society and say, well, this person is not doing a really good job or this person maybe is doing a good job. And we try to emulate one or the other. And unfortunately, sometimes that leads to laziness. The opposite of diligence, I would say, is laziness. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. You know, not only that, but, but diligence is something that's developed. Like the character qualities that we're talking about, they're not things that we're talking about um, somebody who might just have them naturally. You might say this person is naturally diligent. Not really. What, naturally what we do is we kind of naturally do things that cause us to weaken 
and become less than we should be. And it's important for us to understand that if we're going to have the character qualities that actually are going to lead to a productive life and a meaningful life, that we're intentional about those things. And, and diligence is one of those things. When you were talking about diligence, uh, care, persistent work and, or effort, the question I had, Jeff, is what should we be consistently working and have an effort for? Hmm. I mean, what is it? Because diligence just for diligence sake doesn't make any sense. There has to be a reason behind why we would want to be diligent. So let me ask you, what is the reason you think why we should be diligent and develop this character in our life? Well, I think so we can take the best selfies and post those to Facebook (laughs) and Instagram. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I want to be good at those things, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? What's really interesting is you can. So you can be diligent about all kinds of stuff. People have been diligent about things where they've wasted their lives. They've spent and invested a tremendous amount of time and energy into something and realized that it was nothing. In the end, you know, there are some things that are going to matter in life if you put your time into it. And, and really, one of the things is being a good dad. I mean, if you're a dad today, you can choose to be diligent about being a dad. But by that, I mean be intentional about being a dad. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not like one day you woke up and go, whoa, I'm a dad. You know, now I got to do something about it. No, you, if a dad can be intentional. And not only that, if you're not a dad, if you're a son, or a daughter, you can be an intentional good son or good daughter. You know, it's it's very cool. When you get into the relationships, here's what's kind of ideal. You know, if if I have a son or a daughter, I want to make my son or daughter successful. So that's not going to happen by accident. You know, just giving her money or giving him money, that's not going to do it. Just giving him stuff, that's not going to do it. I need to teach him. Well, how do you teach him? Mm -hmm. Well, you you spend time with him. You spend time teaching him. When I was a kid, I... I think I had the world's best dad. I really do. He worked hard. He loved me. He dragged me along with him um, to do different ministry opportunities. And I think that's why I do what I do today. But I remember, I'm the guy that got cut from a no-cut baseball team. So I was really, really bad at baseball. And I still am, by the way. There have been no offers ever in my life for me to play baseball. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, uh, and I know why. I'm just not good at it. So my dad would take me out and play catch with me to try and teach me how to you know, throw a ball and catch a ball. My poor dad, man, that man had to run all over the field to get the ball when I threw it. Yeah. And he would, while he's doing it, he's encouraging me. You know, hey, not bad. You know, this one only went 10 feet over my head. You know, I mean, <laughs> not, not, not bad. We're getting better, you know. Right. And, and he'd come over and try and show me how to do it and that kind of thing. And I must have wore that poor man out. <laughs> he was diligent, though, in the idea of this. His job was not to make me a professional baseball player. That wasn't it. His job was to work with what was there and make me the best guy I could be. And when it came down to it, I was never a good baseball player. But it wasn't for lack of a dad trying to help me become one. It was because I lacked the ability to do it. And then that was my dad's responsibility to talk to me about that and say, Dave, baseball's probably not your gig, you know? There are probably other gigs out there, and baseball's probably not on it. And I was okay with that because he spent the time and he spent the effort, and I knew that he was looking out for me. Now, two things had to happen there. One is that I had to be willing to to have my dad talk honestly to me so I could get better. And two, he had to be willing to spend the time to really evaluate 
and to see. He didn't just yell at a coach and say, play my son. He didn't do that kind of stuff. He didn't just, you know, spend money for a professional coach, whatever. He actually went out, put a mitt on, and threw the ball back and forth with me so that he could see what I was about. Because I'm sure he got told, do you know how bad your son is at baseball? Really, do you know? Well, he had to figure it out. And the thing is, I didn't mind being bad with my dad as far as baseball goes because he was the one guy in the world that believed in me. Hmm. He was the one guy in the world I could be bad in front of and still be okay yeah. because he loved me that way. And see, that's what dads do. Dads, dads love their kids and want what's best for them, but they don't lie. They don't, they don't tell them there's something they're not, but they love them and spend time with them and then help them honestly assess Here's here's what I see in life. Yeah. Here's what I see you should do. You know what I see too among young people is pretty much any young person that you talk to, if you would if you were to ask them who their hero was, most of them if they have a dad in their life, they would probably say it's their dad. I mean, you said that on the show, Jason said that on the show. Pretty much everybody who's come through our show has said one of their heroes is usually it's right there. It's within your top three. Your dad is your hero. And I think so many of us who grow up with dads in our life, when we become a dad, we're able to say, well, I'm going to be as good or better of a dad than my dad was to me. But now we have a generation of young people that are growing up without a dad in their life. And for some of them, they might become a dad, but they don't have that heroic figure to look up to. And it's almost like they just give up hope or they give up energy and, and they don't try or they don't maybe know how to, don't have the resources to know how to be a great dad. And so there are a lot of dads that are out there that are just struggling today. And can we give some of them some insight to you? How do you, how do you be a dad without a previous generation father? I'm glad you asked that because I think the answer is very simple. You find a dad that's doing it right, a dad that knows God and loves God, an older dad in your life. And, and you go and you say, could you mentor me? Could you help me be a good dad? I tell you, my, my dad grew up with a, with the dad. My grandpa was an alcoholic who was a vicious, you know, when you get out drunk, you're either passive or vicious. He was a vicious alcoholic and would abandon the family, all kinds of stuff. But there were guys in the church in the Chicago area where he was that began to take him on and mentor him from a young age. And, and my dad became a tremendously effective dad, not because he was following his dad, but because there were people in the church, there were people who were Christian guys who stepped up to the plate and began to mentor and care for him like a dad would. And he learned how to be a dad by watching them be a mentor. And, and, and yes, they, they weren't his dad, but, but they stepped into a place that they needed to. And you know, Jeff, I find that all the time right now, that I am stepping into a role with a young man because I won't do it with the young ladies, really, but with a young man who needs a dad, whose dad isn't there. And, and I'm telling them some very, very, very basic, simple things and having them come to camp and having them spend time. And I'm seeing their lives change because there's a, a older male in their life. Quick story about, you, you've heard the story about the elephants. They, mm -hmm. they transferred a bunch of adolescent elephants to another spot. And, and the adolescent elephants were, man, they were nuts. They were beating each other up doing things. They didn't know what to do. And they were at their wit's end. And finally, they brought in one older elephant. And all of a sudden, all the adolescent elephants straightened out. And, and it was because there was a dad elephant around that could say, hey, here's how we do things and begin to really guide and direct uh, the adolescent elephants to, so that they could be successful one day. And we need to start looking at those examples and start living in that way and we'll be okay.
Thank you guys for your tweets and your messages during the show. You can always email us at hope at hopenet360.com. Share your story about what it means, what Father's Day means to you. We'd love to hear more about what you're going through and what you're dealing with, and we'll talk about that when we come back here on the show. Remember, you can connect with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Every episode, we've got show notes that go along with our conversation. So if you miss any part of it, you can go and check out things we talked about, different articles, different resources, and you can also find the podcast there after the show airs tonight. So go and check it out at HopeNet360.com. It's there for you guys as well. And tonight, our conversation is about diligence. Dave, before we really talk about how to become diligent, I think it's so important to identify the things that can rob us of an attitude that is diligent, someone who will actually commit to doing something and following through. So if you remember, diligence means careful and persistent work or effort. Careful work, persistent work, these are two words that aren't always common. And I think of five D words, and we're going to kind of unpack these in this part of the conversation. The first D word that keeps guys and girls from being diligent is this thing called distraction or being distracted. And I talked about selfies and we can talk about video games or even iPhones, you know, all the the latest gadgets that we think are making us more productive. Did you say something? Did I say something? Oh, I think I'm distracted. Really? Already? Go on. (laughs) But being distracted, (laughs) it's so easy to do in our day and age. We've got billboards around the corner with lights and glitter and everything else. And then you've got someone who's driving... This car down the road, and then we've got these things in our pockets, the cell phones and the screens in our life. We become not only a connected generation, we've just become such a distracted generation. Did you say something? I, I did say something. <laughs> Were you listening? You know what? It, it, distracted, I'm telling you something. There's, there's a new level of distraction in our world right now, a level that is, as a teacher and as one who works with people all the time, I'm realizing that if I talk to somebody, Jeff, if you were sitting right across from me and we were talking, I am expecting you to miss about 25% of what I say. Is that it? Even though you're looking at me and you're listening and you're nodding, when I am done, I'm expecting you to be confused on about 25% of what I say. And really, I'm trying to figure this one out, actually. I think you've labeled the word distracted. And, and that's what it is. You're distracted by something. You kick in and out of a conversation, but you never really hear the whole conversation. And I'm warning dads out there that are distracted, moms out there, children. If you are going to be kicking in and out of conversations, you're distracted by a text or whatever, look out. You, you are going to really struggle with your relationships. Yeah. It, Dave, what would you say are some symptoms? How do people know that they're really distracted? They're listening, and all of a sudden, they're not thinking. They're thinking about something else. I grew up in a church. You know how easy it is? I'm like gifted distracted. I could be gifted in that area because I could sit there and listen to a preacher preach a message, whatever it might be, and, and at the end think, what did, I, what did he say? Or you're thinking about lunch. I thought about stuff. Yeah. Jeff, you ever read a book for maybe you're in college or high school, and you read a book, and you set a goal to read 50 pages. So you read 50 pages, and then you go back and you go, I don't know what I just read. 
Well, I usually sit down and read a book and say I'm going to read 50 pages and I read five and I'm like, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not every book is boring. You're but... distracted. Why would you say it's boring? Because all of a sudden there's something else that kicks in and says, no, no in dopamine. There's no dopamine here. You know I mean? Now all of a sudden you're, you're thinking of, be a whole lot better to be playing this video game. I get a little more out of it. I know, right? And that's, that's just the, oh, it's so frustrating and I've fallen in that so many times. It's, it is so easy today. To become distracted, even as a parent, you know, you, you yeah. just wish that maybe if you've got a, a difficult stage of life going on and things aren't going necessarily the way you want them to go, you kind of yep. stick it on autopilot and you find ways to use your time to kind of burn through it so you don't have to face reality. Yep. And so it's so easy today to fill our lives with distractions. Let me give you a rule on helping you get undistracted. If I'm a father, here's my rule. I have not said what I want until they hear me until they actually understand what I meant. So I may have said some words, and they're looking at me. Now I need to know that they actually heard what I said. And, and in order to do that, I have to be focused in on who they are. I try and get dads, and, and young guys especially, to get in the habit of looking at people right in their eyes when they talk. Because when you look at somebody in their eyes, you seem to make another connection with them and be able to communicate better. Because it's harder to be distracted. I mean, our culture, my goodness, the minute a text goes off or something else and you're talking to somebody, boom, you're gone. We are getting so used to being distracted that it's now affecting all of our relationships. So I want to encourage dads and young men, young women that are listening, practice when you're with somebody, loving them by giving them the attention that they should have and by actually hearing what they're saying. And if you're saying something, make sure they heard what you say. Your relationships will be much better and you'll minimize this distraction thing. Yeah, one of the simple things you can do is just repeat back what that person just said, something about the conversation, and to acknowledge that you were actually listening. You weren't actually distracted. Uh, The second thing, Dave, number two, what keeps guys and girls from being diligent is this thing called being discontent. Yeah, And uh, that word discontent, something just isn't feeling right, doesn't feel right, uh, a situation, maybe it's a season you're in, there's just something in life that you just feel this tension like this is uncomfortable and this just is, it's a demotivator really. Yeah, it's different than conviction. Uh, discontentment is pretty much um, held by those people who don't know God and don't believe that God made things a certain way. In other words, they, they feel they're being cheated out of something. You know, you, you should have had a different wife or a different husband and your children could have been better, whatever. So you feel you've been cheated out of something, so you're not content with it. And then every time you look at something that you're not content with, you get angry. You say, I mean, that's just the way you are because it, the discontentment comes from looking at that object, whatever it is. And if, you're, if a person, if you're discontented with a relationship, a person, you look at them, you get angry. So but what's interesting is that, that we learn, as the Apostle Paul said once, that he learned no matter what situation he's in, he's learned to be content. How do you do that? You got to get to know God. People who don't know God usually are angry with them, disappointed with them, and they're usually discontented in life. And if they're discontented, there's all kinds of other stuff that happen. They, they, they actually turn into people who are rather mean sometimes because they're trying to correct something for themselves and they're all focused on themselves. Hmm. So discontent is a very big problem. And the third thing, which I think is a lot, what a lot of guys go through in life, especially if you've been working maybe at a job or a few different jobs over any period of time, is this other D word called disappointment. When someone lets you down, whether it's a boss, it's a coworker, 
someone else in the organization, somebody in some way has let you down and it's caused you to become disappointed. This is an enemy of being diligent. Oh, man. Disappointment is, is, is huge. And a lot of it is because we believe something will deliver when it was never meant to deliver. For example, we, we thought, man, one day life will be great because I'll get married and everything will be just fine. And my wife or my husband will be just Prince Charming, Princess Charming, whatever. And, and we get married and actually we find out they do get the flu and other things, you know, the real parts of life. And we're disappointed because it didn't turn out the way we thought. Our kids would always be charming and always do what's right. They, we found out they actually are sinful people and do wrong things. So we, we get disappointed. We go to work. And we're disappointed about midlife. It's called midlife crisis because of the fact that we've been working for money all of our lives, even though the Bible said you can't serve God in money. And we find that working for money doesn't cut it. And so now we're disappointed. Yeah, it's really hard to be diligent when you're disappointed. And a lot of disappointment starts by having a foundation that's wrong when you're younger. You need to go back and reset that foundation. And if you're a young person, you need to set that right in the first place. Yeah, I think it's Prince Charming and Princess Elsa. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I would know. <laughs> a little frozen in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in the second half of HopeNet Radio, we're going to finish out this list of D-words, the five things that keeps men and women from being diligent. Remember, you can chat with the live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Also, if you missed the second half or any part of this conversation, go back and listen on the podcast. You can subscribe at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. The conversation will continue in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW with you tonight. So glad you've joined us here on the show. Remember to connect with us right now. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Leave us a message. You can always direct message us. We're at HopeNet Radio, or you can send us an email to hope at HopeNet360.com. Also chiming in on this conversation, other things that keep guys or gals from being diligent. And we kind of covered it. I think it kind of fits in the first one we talked about, distracted. The word was, ready for this, Dave? Yeah, I'm ready procrastination oh man yeah i'm gonna get to that one tomorrow i'm not gonna deal with it all right we'll talk about that one later but uh the fourth (laughs) one the fourth d word that keeps guys and gals from being diligent or being careful and persistent in their work or effort is this other one called discouragement or being discouraged oh man i think discouragement comes from a continual belief in the make-believe The real world is something that's very clear about what goes on. And when we want to not believe what really happens, then we're in for We're setting ourselves up to be discouraged. For example, uh, in life, you you again could think before you're ever married, you know, the person I'm marrying, um, if you're a girl, I've heard girls talk this way. Oh, this guy's going to be so great to be married to. And I, I think what I hear him saying is, you know, his hair will always be combed. He always looks good. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. I'm thinking, oh, man. You're in for discouragement down the road because this guy can't live up to what you just built up here. There's a reality here that you have to understand. Embracing reality is the best way to fight discouragement. And and that's why in the Bible it says that, you know, 
everybody has sinned. I am a sinner. My wife is a sinner. We both live in a sinful world. Now, what can I expect from two sinful people? When things go really well and we die to ourselves and that kind of thing, wow, that's great. But from two sinful people, I can expect trouble once in a while. And so when trouble comes, I'm not jumping off bridges or doing anything because, look, it's not what we do. I understand there will be trouble because we're we're sinful people. And then the Bible gives me a way to go through that trouble so that I can make this successful. For those listening out there that are discouraged in life, your discouragement has come because your expectations were not in uh, rooted in reality. And when you get them rooted in reality, uh, then you understand how much God loves you, actually, because he already knows everything about you. And you can live in a way that actually is in truth, and the truth actually sets you free. And I love that aspect about how God made us. So discouragement really comes, I think, from just believing something that's not true And, uh, you know, Jeff, I think that our culture, too, lives more in a pretend world than a real world. I mean, when you think about it, the hours they spend watching movies, which are pretend, and television, which is pretend, and pornography, which is pretend, and all that stuff. So they live in this world that's not real, and then they somehow expect reality out of all that's been in their head when it's all been pretend. I think we have to watch and limit that pretend stuff that's constantly flowing through our brains. Yeah, and that kind of fits into this last one, and that is depressed. A lot of men today and women are simply just depressed, where it's it's not only just a mental thing or a mind thing, like a cloud, but it's like physically they feel like they cannot do anything at that point because they just they have no energy, they're tired, whatever. And there are a lot of people today that are just, they may not be clinically depressed, but they would identify with those feelings of just not being able to do normal daily functions that every person should be able to do or that they've done in the past. Um, Losing sight of the hobbies, the things that they've enjoyed to do in their life. They just kind of put those things off. And and I think there are some that are situational, like there's kind of a seasonal depression, but there are some that are just Overall, they just have this cloud over them, like they, their face, their demeanor, everything just says, I'm not feeling right. I'm not feeling good inside. And that keeps us guys not just from being diligent, but even to putting forth the effort to even working in some ways. And for those who maybe are feeling that way, what would you say to them? Through my life, I have found that when my life is not aligned with reality, again, it kind of goes with the other one. I become depressed. In other words, I want the world to revolve around Dave Wager. I really do. I want, when you're born, you start in this world. If you're hungry, you scream until somebody gives you what you want. When, you know, you, you're used to having everything just kind of revolve around you. And when you get older, you learn that the world doesn't revolve around you. But if you live as if it does, the ultimate end is depression here because you realize that you cannot control the world. You can't control the circumstances of the world. You can't control some of the most important things in your life. Only God can. And, and so what happens is if you keep focusing on yourself, then you realize how futile it is and depression sets in. Now, I'm not talking about a medical depression. You have to go to a doctor and talk to somebody who knows about that kind of stuff. But I'm just talking about the process of, of really believing all your life that, that the world should revolve around you and then one day realizing that it doesn't and, and realizing how much of your life has been wasted. And some people don't know what to do to answer this problem. The answer is really simple. In the beginning, God. And the world revolves around God. And, and then we're made to make others successful, to love others. 
So we're here to love God, love others. We don't make it about ourselves. And I think depression is a, is a natural byproduct of making everything about ourselves. And step one would be to begin to learn that it's not about ourselves. And I think anybody from a very young age should start that. But anybody can do this uh, because God has this great way of when we come to him and start talking about things the way they really are, when we repent, if I can use that word, then what happens is that we begin to get things back in align with where they belong. And before you know it, we can be healthy again. If you're suffering from depression there, I want to give you hope. I have seen many, many, many people who have suffered from depression, who are living fruitful and wonderful, enjoyable lives today. It can be done. Uh, depression is almost a time where you've given up, where you think it can't be done anymore. And, uh, and really, uh, in that particular stage, it's going to be hard for you. You've got to realize it can and you have to start being intentional and hang around those who actually know God and have some answers for you and live in the way you were intended to live. Yeah, I think that's that's great wisdom, especially for those. And we're not doctors, but I would encourage you, though, to not give in to those voices that are in your head. See, all five of those things, the five things that keep us from being diligent, being distracted, and I would say procrastination. We're, gonna, we're still going to talk about that one. Uh, being discontent in life. And I'm not saying... When you're, always, when you're feeling discontented, it's always a bad thing. But if you look at these five things, distracted, discontent, disappointed, discouraged, and depressed, if the central person in those equations is you, you there's going to be problems. There are reasons that we can be distracted by other things in life that aren't necessarily a bad distraction. Let's just say uh, your boss is talking to you. There's a, a big meeting coming up. And you are off that day. You just went in and stopped in the office and your son or your daughter comes up and, and has to tell you something and you turn your attention away from your boss to your child. Um, some might say, well, you're distracted by the wrong things. But I think having your focus on your kids, that might not be a great example, but focusing on your kids, focusing on your family, focusing on the things that are at the top of the priority list, that those things aren't distractions, but those can still become a God thing. Being discontent. There are things that happen in our society that should make us discontent. We shouldn't be content with drug problems. We shouldn't be content with gang activity. We shouldn't be content with domestic violence issues that are going on in our culture. We should be discontent about things that really are not right, that are evil in our society. We should be working to see people be restored and lives restored in our culture. We should be discontent at the amount of people that we know who do not know Jesus. This should really burden our hearts. And I don't know if it always does, but it, to me it's become alive that I need to be burdened. I should be discontent with those around me that do not know hope in Christ. And the same is for those who are professing faith. So there are ways that we should be discontent about things. Yeah. These D's, if they're present in your life, let it be a barometer for you. In other words, it doesn't cause problems. It shows that there are problems. Yes. And and so what you need to do is then go to somebody who is older than you that, that you know loves God, talk to him about this, and start intentionally working through why you are the way you are. These show there's problems, and, and you need to get help. If you don't have anyone to help you, go, go to uh, HopeNet360.com. There are live coaches there now that can talk you through stuff. But it is important that you see these are not things that you can put on a checklist. These are indicators that you're thinking incorrectly and that there are problems, and you need to get help. And if you'll do that, you can work through these. All right, so those are the five things that keep us from being diligent. When we come back, we got five things that every guy and girl needs to know before becoming a parent. Keep it here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. 
This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at hopenet360.com. Every week we put in some articles and links and things we talk about in the show, so you can also catch the podcast there. So visit hopenet360.com for more details on the show notes for tonight. Uh, Diligence, Dave, has been our topic of conversation, and we just finished up the five things that keep guys from being diligent and girls from being diligent. And that's distracted, being discontent, being disappointed, discouraged, and depressed. And now I want to talk about five things that everybody needs to know before becoming a parent. You don't even need to become a parent to understand these things or that this is what qualifies you to be a parent. These are five things, though, that I think are super important and I think they are really relevant to guys, especially today. And this first one, I'd love to get your thoughts on, Dave, that your worth is calculated by how much you give away, not by how much you possess. People, uh, men especially, can be really weird on this one. We, we mistakenly think that our value is tied to what we control. And, and we all think we're like emperors, but, but we're not. But we think, you know, what I control shows my value, my worth, my... When, when in reality, what we find is that the most important thing we can do is give our power away, give our money away, give our experience away, and help the next generation be the best they can be. Our nation is in trouble today because we've had a generation that was self-absorbed and thought about life that way. I need to do things for me so that I'm successful and that kind of thing. And we've kind of robbed the next generation. Um, I was privileged of growing up under a dad who firmly believed that you needed to train the next generation and make them successful, make them better at what you did than you were. And my dad mm-hmm. believed that. And, and, and there were so many young men that came through his ministry that became better at doing what he did. And he would give them responsibilities and get out of the way. And then he'd go start something else. I mean, it was amazing to watch that, that, he understood this, that it's about what you give, what you, what you help somebody else achieve. You know what's really yeah. weird? I think men especially can love things. That's weird. Because you aren't meant to love things. I've seen guys that have spent hours making sure their snowblowers are all waxed and look good. You know? I mean, you're sitting there thinking, you're spending so much time with that snowblower. And your kids are growing up like fatherless. Or guys, now I'm not all right. Uh, make sure you email Jeff if you're mad by this statement. But I know, I know guys that have gone fishing so much that they've abandoned their families while they're doing that, and and it becomes something that they love more than they love their kids and their wife, or golf. They love that more than they love their kids or wife. I had a rule, Jeff, when I when my kids were young, I wasn't going to go fishing unless they went with me, and that was my rule. And really, I didn't go fishing much. And then they got into fishing. Believe it or not, they got into fishing when they got older and they started leaving the house and went to college. Then they wanted to fish. (laughs) So then I started fishing more. And really, when they left and they were in college, I started to fish more. But I realized, you know, fishing can be something that I begin to love and do just for me. Mm -hmm. But then I, I ruined my relationships because of it. You know, don't get in the habit of making things, activities in this world more important than people. And don't get in the habit of thinking that what you have, your possessions, are what really define you. It really is, have you made somebody in the next generation, have you given them what they need to be successful? That's what will define you. 
Um, the fact that I'm still working at Silver Birch Ranch shows that my dad spent a tremendous amount of time laying the foundation so that this generation would lead. And now I'm looking at passing it off to another generation. And, and, and there's a lineup of young men that could do this job because we've poured into them and they know how to do it. That is so true. When you think about life and you think about what it's all worth, so many of us, guys especially, we tie up our value. And it's easy to do this. We tie up our value with all the things that we own or we possess or our finances, our, you know, all of our investments. That's what we put our, our time and energy into, unfortunately. And that's not really where our worth is calculated at all. No, there's a lot of rich people that have a lot of stuff that are very unsuccessful in life. Jesus even said it, that it's better to give than to receive. You're more blessed if you give than you receive. The second thing that I think is so important that every person has to realize before ever becoming a parent, I think the younger you learn this, the better you are, your emotions are secondary to your character. Now, what that means, that line there, your emotions are secondary to your character. It's so easy for us to be led by how we feel our emotions in our life, and we let those things dictate who we are and the decisions that we make. And unfortunately, what establishes our character, what people remember us by, a lot of times is based on the decisions that we make in our life. Those things are what establish our legacy, and therefore, they also shape our character and how people remember us in our life. And some people are remembered as not being such great people, especially by history, but not even that. But in our own lives, we can think of people that were you know, for lack of a better way, they were a big disappointment in our life because they allowed their emotions to lead them and not to establish their character and then live according to principle. You know, emotions will put you on a roller coaster in life, man. They'll they'll put you up, they'll put you down, they put you. And if you really are living for the emotions, you'll always want the high. So you're going to try and figure out how to get back up to the high. And and people do that differently. And I'm warning you, emotions are very consistent. If you, if you have an emotion where you're feeling really high, really great, really wonderful, you're going to have that emotion kick back down and you're going to feel low. That's the way it is. And when you're down there, you're going to say, how do I get back up? And, and you're going to do things. To, and pretty soon, that's all you're doing is playing the emotional roller coaster game. And, and you're trying to keep at the top of the roller coaster. And if you've ever ridden a roller coaster, you'll know you can't stay at the top. You're going to go down. And so if that's the game you're playing, that's all you're going to do with your life is play this game to try and get up and down. And uh, not only that, Jeff, we've talked, I think, on the show before. We don't even know where our emotions come from, actually. I mean, do you have, like, a picture in your head, you, th- you think about it, and it just gives you a really peaceful, happy feeling if you think about it? I think of a beach. There you go. Generally. Okay. I yeah. hate be- I don't like beaches. No? Not really. I've never been a, a water beach guy so much. I'm a woods guy. I mean, some really nice beaches though. I mean, like Bahamas or someplace kind of, I don't know. Yeah, there's they have sand white there and, sand and Yeah, it's, that's what I mean. There's sand there. It gets palm in your trees. shorts. You know, palm trees are too tall. <laughs> and and not only that, you know, there's the smell of dead fish. So, uh, for me, <laughs> for me that doesn't give me a peaceful thought. But for you it does. For me, what gives me a peaceful thought is, is the woods. I live at the edge of the national forest, and I love the forest. You know, that gives me. So what the funny thing is, when I say what gives you this peaceful feeling, you describe a beach and palm trees and that kind of thing. I describe a forest. We don't even know where those feelings come from. I mean, what's your favorite food? Uh, right now it would be pizza. And pizza. Okay, so if I mention pizza, you go, oh, man, you know, mm, you're, you know that's how you're thinking. And, and, and somebody else might say, I don't like pizza. So they don't do anything with that. There's people that are just born. They put something in their mouth and they don't like the way it tastes. Yep. You know? Well, we don't know where that comes from. 
So you have to be careful not to let things like emotions, your feelings. You need to be careful not to let them rule you. We don't even know where they came from, and they're not going to be reliable. Yeah. All right, third thing before we go to a break here. The third thing that we need to know before ever becoming a parent is that your gifts are not meant just for yourself. And that is your abilities, both natural and even learned. Those that those trades, the things that you pick up along the way, experiences in life, those things aren't just for yourself. Dave, any thoughts? Yeah, one of the things I teach in leadership class and and for uh, parents is your power and authority are only valid if you use them for the good of others. They're not valid if you use them for yourselves, and you will find that I'm true on that one. That that this is a true statement. All right, we're going to pick up the rest of these when we come back here in the show. Remember to connect with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Also, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Go to hopenet360.com slash podcast, and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Subscribe to the podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Jeff and DW here with you tonight. We're wrapping things up. You can always send us a tweet or any thoughts you have anytime you're listening to an episode of HopeNet Radio on the HopeNet Radio tweet back. All you got to do is use the hashtag HNRTB. That's HNRTB. Tonight, we're talking about diligence five things that everyone needs to know, things that I think are so important that we have to grasp, especially at a young age. Number four, Dave, that will help us to be successful is that my responsibility, your responsibility is to love God and to love others. We talk about this all the time on the show, Dave. Yeah. You know, this is one of the basic foundational building blocks of all life. God made us to love him and to love others. And if those are not things we're diligent about, we can never be okay because that block is missing from the foundation. And what we need to do is flesh that out a little bit. I mean, God tells us what it means to love him. It says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Now, for us, we might think, okay, so that's a rule thing. No, it doesn't say if you keep my commandments, you love me. It says if you love me, you keep my commandments. Again, it's a barometer. In order for us to really have God in the place he should, we need to spend time with him. We need to be intentional about spending time with him. And when we spend time with him, we begin to know who he is. And when we know him, we actually love him. We actually want to listen to him because we realize that he's older than us and smarter than us and loves us and we can trust him. So so we know that. And that's real important. And then God says, the other part that I made you is that you love one another. Now, we live in a culture that doesn't get that. We think that loving one another might be making each other comfortable or whatever it might be, when really it's it's helping each other live in the manner that they were meant to be. In other words, I want to make Jeff successful at being a dad and, and being a member of our culture and society and being a member of a church. See, I want to do what I can to make you successful in life. That's how I show you love. It's not that I just want to give you money or make you comfortable or whatever else. I'm not really against that. In fact, I've brought you stuff over to your house to help you make be more comfortable, whatever it might be, and that's, that's fine. But that's not the goal. The goal is to make you successful at what God put you on this planet to do, and that's loving him and getting it in the right order here. So 
You know, even in a society where people use others in pornography and other things, we have to start thinking about how can I help others be the best they can be. I tell young men all the time, if you're involved in pornography, if you're involved in in, in any kind of, of, of using young ladies, that's exactly what it is. It's using them for your benefit. There's no way that you could ever, ever love people while you do that because love doesn't use people. Love sets people free. And you have to understand that that's the problem and come to God and say, God, forgive me. I use people for my own benefit, but I don't love them. Oh, you might be providing their comforts. You might be providing them with a television or food or whatever, but that doesn't mean you love them. You love them when you start making sure that they have what's necessary for them to become everything they should become. And even if it costs you, you make sure it's done. And that's when you really love them. And I think that part of loving others, too, that I want to add into what you were saying, Dave, is that we have to love others even when it hurts. Absolutely. And I think the easy thing for us to do is to love others or to go the extra mile when it doesn't really cost me anything, you know, anything significant, you know, a dollar or two here is, you know, it's not a big deal. But when it's like, if I had to shell out $1,000 to someone to get something fixed in their home, it was kind of like, well, ah, I could use that $1,000. I can get a new iPad with that. Or, you know, I could do, I could get something else that I know my family needs. And so we kind of lose sight of loving others when it really does not benefit us. It's really misguided in many ways because a lot of times we want our children or the next generation to be successful so that they take care of us. In other words, we're doing it for us. We want them to be successful so that we can be proud of them and everyone looks at us and says, what a good parent am I? You know, kind of thing. But, you know, that's not why we want people successful. You know, we want people successful because God made them a certain way. We want them to discover it and enjoy it And that might mean that they go to another country and help other people, whatever. But we can't make it about us all the time. Making everything about me will make me a miserable person, a miserable husband, a miserable father, a miserable friend. I cannot continually be about me or I will use people to try and satisfy myself. And that won't turn out well. All right. The fifth one, the fifth thing that we have to understand kind of goes along with number four, and that is that you are the protector. And Dave, you came up with this one. I'd love just to hear your thoughts on what that means. What do you mean we are the protector? Well, you you know, you could say that this is part of like the other four or whatever, but for me, this is a word that's important as a dad. I am here to protect the innocent. I am here to understand that we live in a sinful world with sinful people and to be diligent about watching out for those who are innocent to try and help them get to the point where they can make their own decisions and live a life the way God meant them to be. And this means that I have to be on my toes and be looking for things. The Bible says it in a different way. Jesus tells us that that we ought to be salt in this world. We ought to be light in this world. Now, now, what does salt really do? Salt isn't something that doesn't do anything. It does some tremendous things. It actually protects the valuable part of the meat in their day. It, it, the, the bacteria, the things that would destroy what's valuable would come in and destroy it. And the salt would kill the bacteria in order to maintain 
the, the good part of the meat. And God says, that's what you're supposed to be. So Dave Wager should have a great marriage in order to protect the goodness of marriage so that people who want to understand what marriage should be like as God created can look at our marriage and see it, and we've protected it. You know, it's like a shepherd. He uses that example. A shepherd would protect the sheep. If there's a wolf that's coming in to try and kill the sheep, the, the shepherd has a responsibility to go after that wolf. And it, it would be great if he could turn him into a sheep, but we can't. Uh, but a shepherd will go after and kill the wolf so that he can protect the sheep. You see, the shepherd, the father, the, the dad, the husband, one of their roles is to be a protector. And, and as a protector, I don't put my head in the sand. I realize we live in a sinful world. I realize there are dangers out there. And I want to put my family and those who I'm working with in the best position possible so that they are protected. And first and foremost, I need to lead by showing them that I love God and that I'm in God's family, that I've put my trust in Jesus Christ because God's the one I'm going to ultimately trust for this protection. And then I need to help them and, and lead them to the point where they're in God's family because I can't be around them 24-7, but God can. And, and if you're confused about being in God's family, about you know, being separated from God and, and you don't want to be separated from him and you want him around you and, and you're not sure about that, go to hopenet360.com and talk to a life coach because there's nothing more important for your long-term protection than having your heavenly father protect you 24-7. And that's ultimately what I want to do as a father. I want to get my children in a position where they are protected by my heavenly father because he's protecting me and now we have stability not only now but throughout the ages being diligent is a virtue there are a lot of things that do keep us from being diligent and tonight if you're feeling distracted or maybe discontent about a situation that you have no control over disappointed discouraged depressed i think the first thing that it comes down to is just surrendering control and i think if you're looking for something to take away tonight about being diligent understand being diligent and being diligent to have control are two separate things. Godly diligence is not about having control and owning it and running it and really trying to manipulate the outcomes of it. Really, we can never manipulate the outcome of things. Sure, we can invest our time. We can put in the hours and the effort that we think it will take to get a project done. There are some times where we put in 70, 80, 90 hours a week in a, in a job that we maybe do love, and it just kind of blows up. And we thought, well... Man, I put in all this time. Well, why didn't it why didn't it turn out this way? And you know, so sometimes it just comes down to just surrendering. That's one of those things. If you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling disappointed in life, the best place to start if you want to make a turn or if you want to make a change tonight is to surrender those things. I think when you do that, you can begin to look at, well, okay, maybe I messed up here. Maybe I gotta surrender. Maybe I just gotta let God take care of the results and I'm gonna do my best effort here and let God do the rest of it. And that's really a beauty of a relationship with God is knowing that He is in control. He has your best interests at heart. It doesn't mean that everything you put your hands to is actually going to be fruitful. There are times where we are diligent and things just don't work out. And that's a part of life. And if maybe you've been feeling frustrated by that recently, I just want to encourage you. It's not that way all the time. It's important, though, that God helps to shape that character of perseverance in you. So being diligent, persevering in the midst of adversity, those are character things that I think will benefit you in the long run if you learn those things. And you know what? God tests us not so that he can punish us or torment us. God tests us so that we can be stronger, so that we can follow him 
through deeper waters and climb higher heights and he can bring us to a totally new level of a relationship with him and then give us more responsibility in our lives to handle other situations and circumstances in our lives. So if you have any questions about that or you want to go and chat about that with somebody right now, there are live coaches available at HopeNet360.com. Again, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Thanks so much for joining us tonight here on the show. Subscribe to the podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast for all of us here on HopeNet Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye.